Hi everybody. Welcome to Haunted University. This is your Professor Debbie. April Fool. It's True Crime University, in case you haven't figured that out. I told everybody that this is going to be an episode about haunted things, and hopefully you've read the title, and you know that the topic is haunted amusement parks. If you listen to my intro, you learn that I love amusement parks and roller coasters, so I'm so excited to talk about this with you. I had a blast researching this. I found so much information, more than I actually thought I would, and uh, I actually had to kind of cut some stuff out because it was going to be too long. I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but um, I'm so excited because I get to talk about some of my favorite things, which are amusement parks, ghosts, history, mysteries, and I hope that everybody enjoys this episode. If you're not into ghosts, maybe you like one of the other topics. If you really hate this and you think I should stick to crime, let me know. Um, just say, hey, knock off the haunted shit. I'm just here for the crime. And I'll either stop altogether or make a separate podcast. A little bit of what's going on. It is still March right now, but when you hear this, it'll be April. And I have a public service announcement. And I'm going to do that at the end of the episode because it's not so much public service as I'm going to bitch about something. I don't want to get things off to an ugly start with me ranting and raving about something. So if you want to listen to it, it's at the very end. And if, if you don't want to hear my bullshit, you can just listen to my Haunted Amusement Park episode. A little bit of background. I do believe in ghosts. I... I think I mentioned that I studied parapsychology in college, and this was in, well, okay, it was a long time ago, and it was before we had all these ghost shows on TV, you know, like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, where you see, nowadays, everybody is, it seems, is an amateur ghost detective, and all you have to do is get on YouTube, and there's like five million people that do this, they go you know, to supposedly haunted places or abandoned buildings, etc., with equipment, and they say, oh, I got, you know, this and that, and I will explain in, in the episode, there are some of these places where paranormal teams have gone, and I will explain, I will assume that you don't know anything about ghost hunting, and I will explain what this stuff means. I'm what you call a skeptical believer. Like I said, I, I do believe in ghosts, but I also think that there's a tendency to want that people, um, if you go out and you want to find ghosts, that you see what you want to see and you hear what you want to hear. That if you have a preconceived notion of anything, really, or an expectation, that you will interpret anything as evidence of whatever it is that you're looking for. And for my skeptical friends, let me just put it this way, ghosts are said to be a form of energy, and that's how they supposedly manifest themselves. Now, it was um, Isaac Newton, who was a famous English physicist, who said, energy can not be created or destroyed. And if you think 
in terms of ghosts and spirits, that rule applies because our bodies are energy, basically. All you have to do is look at an EEG, which is a measure of your brain's electrical activity, to see that if your brain's putting out energy, that means it's alive and it's working. So when you die or your body ceases to operate, where does that energy go? According to Newton's law, it can't just die, right? Remember, he said, energy cannot be created or destroyed, meaning it has to go somewhere. So the theory is that ghosts and ghostly sounds, apparitions, etc., are the manifestations of energy from these people who are no longer with us. And many of the tools that ghost hunters use to so-called detect ghosts are actually things that detect presence of energy. And I'll explain that more. I'm not going to read my disclaimer because there aren't any criminals to talk about, which means I don't have to pretend to psychoanalyze anybody. And I can be a little bit sillier and have a little bit more fun with this episode because it's kind of a lighter... There are people that died, unfortunately. When I address certain things, I will tell you for sure if this is just a legend or a fable or a rumor, or if this is an actual historical event that's been verified. We do have some of each, and I'll make sure that it's clear which is going on. Oh, I, uh, not that anybody cares, but it's early in the morning, and it's supposed to be 70 degrees here today, and I actually got up and put clothes on which is very unusual because <laughs> not that I normally am a nudist or anything, but I usually, I'm one of those people who wears their pajamas all the time. And I would like to go out and enjoy the nice weather, take Nathan for a walk later. So I ac actually put on clothes and I wore clothes the other day too. Two days ago, I, I had to take him to the vet and cause he's always itchy. He's like me. His allergies are real bad right now. And it costs us a lot of money, or not us, it cost me a lot of money, and he got some pills, which I have to sneak to him and treat, and he got this medicated shampoo, and this was quite a scene. I had to, washing him is no easy thing to do in the, in the first place, but I had to put his fat ass in the, I don't, we don't have a bathtub, it's like a shower, put him in the shower area, put the shampoo on him, leave it in for 10 minutes, and this was no funny. He was running around the bathroom, shaking and, and getting like water and shampoo all over the place. Rinse him off. Tried to dry him, but then he was wet for like hours afterwards. So I had to shut him out of the room I was in because I, I didn't want him on my bed, you know, getting wet. So I know everybody's like, shut up and get to the amusement parks already. So I found several amusement parks that have... Um, paranormal activity associated with them and I'm not including Disney parks like Disneyland or Disney World because I found so much information on those that they can literally be a whole other episode on just Disney hauntings and I might actually do an episode on Disney hauntings someday if you would like that. I was just going to give the um facts that I have and not say anything and let you make up your own mind about whether or not you think there's enough evidence to 
call this place haunted or not. But then I thought, no, because you know me, I have an opinion on everything. And I'm not going to be able to keep my mouth shut. So when I get done with that park, I will say my own opinion on does the evidence show that, you know, is it weak evidence or is it strong evidence for, you know, a haunting or ghostly presence? So I've, I've yapped enough and, oh, and another warning. I'm, you know how much I love amusement parks. So some of these I've been to and I'm going to have to get my opinion in on what I think of them and maybe certain rides because you know, this is like something I love to talk about and I, I don't think I'm going to be able to curtail my excitement. So you're going to listen to me talk about the amusement park as uh, an amusement park aficionado, however you say that, whatever. You know what I mean? Fan of amusement parks. Okay, the first one we're going to talk about is Six Flags New Orleans, and this park is right now, well, I think it's going to be permanent. It is abandoned. It is off of Interstate 10 in New Orleans, of course, and it was built in 2000. It was called Jazzland. And in 2003, it was bought by the big Six Flags chain. It was called Six Flags New Orleans. However, it didn't last too long because Hurricane Katrina, if you're not familiar with that, it was a big-ass hurricane. Killed lots of people, damaged tons of buildings, one of which was this amusement park. The last day the park was ever open was August 21st, 2005. Hurricane Katrina hit on August 29th. The park happens to be located next to a lake called, and I, I think this is how you say it, Pontchartrain. And this lake flooded, and the park was literally 20 feet deep in water. I have a couple pictures in my Instagram and my Facebook of what the park looked like underwater. It's surreal, is I guess the only way to describe it. It's really weird to see a park that, that's literally submerged. And today, most of the water has dried out, but it's still in ruins, and there's no way that anything can be made of it. It's too far gone. There was actually a death in the park, and this is a historical fact. On July 10th of 2003, a 52-year-old woman named Rosa Donaldson was fastening her grandchild into a car on a ride called the Joker's Jukebox. And she got hit on the head by another car, and unfortunately she died. If I had to know what this ride was, because I, you know, I didn't know, and I'm curious. And it's one of those monster rides, like an octopus, they're also called. They're really fun. They have, like, the arms, and they have the, the cars that spin. Anyway, it was, that's what kind of ride it was. And I could easily picture how she was standing there and the other cars are kind of like tilted up at an angle and one, you know, they swing. They're on like a pivot. One just like pivoted and, and hit her. I mean, it's, I can picture how it happened. So all of the rides there are just, uh, you know, no good. Except for a roller coaster called Batman the Ride. And it was moved to another Six Flags park called Fiesta, Texas, which is in 
you guessed it, Texas. In 2008, it's now called Goliath. And it's like a running joke in, uh, among people of people interested in amusement parks. Six Flags has like no imagination when they name their rides. They name them all the same thing. Like there's probably about 217 roller coasters called Batman the Ride. And they're all different. They name all their rides after superheroes. And there's probably about 300 roller coasters called Goliath. And it, well, if you're familiar with amusement parks, you'll know what I'm talking about. So, because the place is so creepy looking and abandoned, it is actually rented out to film companies to film movies at. And some of the movies that have been filmed there, maybe you've seen some of these. I myself have never even heard of these, but I'm not like a big movie buff, so that doesn't really surprise me. Killer Joe, Stolen, and Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters. Anyway, parts of those movies were all filmed there. If they were to demolish this amusement park, it would cost $1.3 million, which is a lot of money. The people that live near it are bothered by the sight of it because it's like an eyesore. And the fact that there's wildlife in the park, including alligators. Yeah, that's how much water there was that alligators now live there. The only people that go there, now it is private property. There's all kinds of like fences and signs like, don't go in here, you will be prosecuted. Because you're not supposed to go in there, but people do. People that are thrill seekers... You know, people who like to explore abandoned places. If you go on YouTube and you would type in Six Flags New Orleans, you would probably get like 500 videos of people who have illegally gone into the park and recorded what it looks like. So here's my disclaimer. Don't go there. You're not allowed. And as far as paranormal activity, people report an uneasy feeling feeling of being watched, sounds of metal clanging and motor starting, ghostly whispering, and lights coming on and off. And as far as level of believability of that, I just have BS written in it. I don't think I have to explain that any further. To me, uh, those are all extremely weak. I wouldn't even call those evidence because they're all feelings. And rumors as for oh well my friends, cousins, uncles, grandmothers, bus driver saw lights coming from there. Well, that doesn't mean anything. I mean if if you're gonna look at something scientifically or objectively, that is absolutely worthless. Now, our next amusement park is called Enchanted Forest and it's in Turner, Oregon or Oregon, as some people say. It opened in 1971, and it's a little bit south of the capital of Oregon, which is called Salem. It's in the middle of the woods. It's, you know, surrounded by woods. That's why it's called Enchanted Forest. It was created and hand-built by a guy named Roger Tofte, T-O-F-T-E. Could be Toft, in the late 60s. And it's still run by this family, the third generation, which I think is really cool. I love how they build a business and they keep it in the family. It's described as a family park. It has a fairy tale theme. And we have one of those near me. Well, not really near. It's like an hour away. 
that I went to as a kid. It was called Storybook Forest. And it's very much the same thing. I looked at pictures of this place, videos, and I remember what Storybook Forest was like when I was a kid. And it has like exhibits of like, I don't know, gingerbread houses and castles and things from fairy tales and, and nursery rhymes. And, you know, it, it's mainly for little kids. Now it is closed because there was an ice storm uh, a couple months ago that damaged it. There is no history of any accidents or deaths on this property. However, it is said to be near the site of a fight between Native Americans and colonial settlers around 1846. But to be honest, isn't like everything in the United States the site of somewhere where Native Americans and settlers clashed? Well, not everywhere, but a lot of places are. So Ashley Tofty, who's I think either the daughter or granddaughter of Roger, that's the guy who built the park. She still works there, and she said there's an attraction in the park called the Haunted House, and it's just that it's a haunted house. You walk through it. She said it makes her feel, quote, anxious and overwhelmed. And did you ever see the show Ghost Adventures with Zach Baggins? They actually visited this place in 2018, and one of the guys on the show, Aaron, Aaron Goodwin, he said that he went there as a kid, and he always thought it was real creepy. And one time he went there with a female relative, like a sister or something, and she felt something touching her in one of the caves. So some of the employees that currently work there said that they heard disembodied footsteps, saw orbs, which are balls of light, like unexplained balls of light, and experienced cold spots in the haunted house. A cold spot is just that, a place that for no good reason feels cold. And a cold spot is said to be the presence of a spirit. For some reason, they're associated with a cold feeling. Now, I saw this episode of Ghost Adventures like years ago. I didn't get, can't find it to like give it a current view, but I do remember that they mostly walk around the park looking at the exhibits and say how creepy it is. And I saw a video on YouTube. It wasn't Ghost Adventures. It was just people. And they show a picture of a little girl. Not a real one, but, you know, like a mannequin, I guess, of a little girl. And you hear somebody say, quote, she's scary looking. She's got evil in her eyes. And to be honest, the animatronics and mannequins are, for lack of a better word, scary. And I can see little kids being bothered by them because they're, mm, they're just creepy. I, I don't know. There's something unsettling about them. And this incident is from Ghost Adventures. There's a guy named Chris Dunn, and he is the operator of a ride called the Castle of Mondor which is one of those, uh, do you know what a shooting dark ride is? It's a, it's a dark ride with, you know, like ghosts and whatever in it. And, but you sit in a car and you have like plastic guns and you shoot at targets 
in the rod. They're pretty fun. We have one here at Kennywood. But anyway, he operates this rod. This rod has been there since 2006. It's a wizard-themed shooting dark rod. And he said that this one time, he was in his, you know, post, and he heard footsteps behind him. He turned around, and there's nobody there. And he said, quote, five seconds later, it's like I just got hit with this energy right through me. It made me really dizzy. And then I just got chills, end quote. And he said a little bit later, the same thing happened again. And he took pictures, and he said he caught what looked like an orb. Remember, that's like a... If you see an orb on film, it's just like a little piece of light, like a little round um, or squiggly line of light. And there's three sequential pictures, and the orb changes shape. On Ghost Adventures, they said that they felt a chilling energy in this ride. I played a video I found on YouTube of somebody walking through this haunted house and it was just like what the haunted house is like in real life if you walk through this thing and it was horrible oh my god this thing I would never go in it it has this disembodied head which is really badly made and it tells jokes like about I don't know give me a hand and like really horrible jokes about body parts and there's just bad they're like the the kind of jokes that just make you groan and there's only what i can describe as a cacophony which is like the blending of a bunch of different noises there's some kind of singing or chanting and there's some other kind of noise and i'm i'll talk about this later at the end but i have this thing i'm really sensitive to noise and i cannot imagine being in this thing just because of the noise zach Zach Baggins in this episode said he thinks that the residual energy of this war that took place there is the cause of the uh, the spooky things going on. As far as evidence goes, I have the word weak written. I don't think that requires much interpretation. I, in my own personal opinion, like I said, I, I saw pictures and videos of the place. I do find the animatronics and the mannequins creepy looking apparently other people do too and that can put you in a mindset i think where you're more susceptible to being spooked by something or get like a, a creepy feeling or an, an uneasy feeling i mean that's my own personal perspective but okay the next park is my favorite Anybody who knows me knows that this is my favorite place, Cedar Point. This place was built in 1870. It is the second oldest operating park in the United States after Lake Compounds. It's on a peninsula in Lake Erie in Sandusky, Ohio. It's exactly two and a half hours away from me. Yeah, I go there a lot. That's how I know. It started out as a resort, and it still is today, resorters. One, two, three, four hotels there that you can stay at. There's also a campground. The Breakers, which is the oldest hotel, and that's the one that I stay at. I've stayed there many, many times. Supposedly, strange things have been occurring there since the early 1900s, especially in room 169, where employees and guests report problems with electronic devices, 
hearing disembodied crying and the shower going on and off. Supposedly, a woman named Mary hung herself or hanged herself in the shower in that room. And this is based on just rumor. I could find no verified historical fact that this actually happened. These rooms are now for employees. So, like, if you would call and request room 169, they would say, sorry, that's an employee room. The ballroom, which, honestly, I didn't even know was still there. It's on the second floor of the Coliseum, which is a building on what they call Main Street. It opened in 1906, and it was a legitimate ballroom. That's when people, when we didn't have DJs and raves and stuff, people, they had like bands and people would waltz and whatever kind of dance they did in 1906. Well, today it's still open for meetings and special events like I don't know, weddings or, and I would totally have a wedding at Cedar Point. That's like, I'm like, sign me up for that. You can walk in it unless there's like a meeting or something taking place. You can actually go in and I have a picture of what it looks like. And the claim here is the people hear phantom music and see phantom dancers. There's a restaurant in, yeah, it is. It's actually in the hotel. And it's called TGIF. It's part of a chain. There's TGIF restaurants like all over the country. And supposedly the pictures on the wall in here move by themselves. And people have seen a faceless apparition. I've been in there. Great food, but kind of expensive. Well, everything at Cedar Point is. But I've never seen any of this stuff. And again, this is just a rumor. This is not based on any kind of fact. At the tip of the peninsula, there's a restaurant called the Breakwater Cafe. It is an upscale restaurant, meaning that I can't afford to go in it. Since it is literally like right on the lake, and it's said to be haunted by the ghost of a young boy who drowned in the lake. He's supposedly seen inside or near the restaurant. Again, no historical evidence of this, just a rumor. Now, Cedar Point was, not currently, but was said to be home to a haunted carousel horse, which is the only such thing known to be haunted, the carousel horse. In 1917, a guy named Daniel C. Muller carved this horse, and it's called Muller's Military Horse. And the legend goes that his wife became obsessed with this horse and fell in love with it, which can be looked at a little bit disturbing, if you want to go there. Supposedly, in the past, people would see her ghost riding this um, horse on the, the carousel in Cedar Point. Supposedly, people would try to take a picture of it, and like a, you couldn't get a, a clear picture of it. It wouldn't show up. Now, the original horse, several years ago, they moved it to Dorney Park in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is also owned by the Cedar Fair chain. You know, it's like a sister park of Cedar Point. I don't know if there are any stories associated with this horse since it was moved to Dorney. I've never been to Dorney. There is a replica of the horse at the Merry-Go-Round Museum in Sandusky. That's the same place that uh, Cedar Point is. A group called the Ghosts of Ohio decided to investigate this, 
and they took pictures of both the horse at the museum and the original, which is now not at Dorney, but back <laughs> at Cedar Point. There's a museum in Cedar Point, which I've probably been in like a million times, and I never even noticed this thing here. But in the part of the park called Frontier Town, which is in the back, they have a museum. It's really cool. It has like uh, replicas of like old time stuff, um, little wooden replicas of some of the roller coasters. Well, apparently the original horse is back there. And they took a picture of the replica and the original. Both of them turned out just fine. And I have them on my Instagram and Facebook. Now, an employee said that they were working the third shift. I don't know what you would do third shift in Cedar Point. The only thing I can think of is maybe security guard or maintenance um, in the late 80s, 1980s. And that they one time saw it slowly turn, not like light up and spin around, but just like move a little bit. And this is anecdotal evidence, which means, you know, just somebody heard this. So overall, I would say the evidence for Cedar Point being haunted is uh, pretty weak. Our next park is Thorpe Park, which is located in Surrey, England. It opened in 1979, and this place was said to be temporarily haunted, and here's why. In 2012, the workers started clearing a site for a 64-foot water ride called Storm Surge, and whenever they broke ground and started to build around there, they saw apparitions of a headless monk. They're quite specific. Shit would move around. They felt watched, and they suddenly got cold feelings. Now, Mike Vallis, who is the divisional director of the park, said in a newspaper, quote, It became apparent that something strange was going on when teams started clearing Storm Surge's initial site. Staff reports of eerie goings-on shot up, and the only physical change in the park at that time was the beginning of ground preparation work for the new ride. As employees were getting freaked out, we decided to call on an expert to see whether there was anything to report, end quote. So Jim Arnold, who is with Southwest London Paranormal Group, said, quote, Thorpe Park was more striking as results were picked up immediately with orbs, ghostly images in photos, and Ouija reaction result being strongest around the site where they were proposing to build Storm Surge. The results were so strong we felt the only explanation could be that an ancient burial ground or settlement was being disturbed. End quote. So, so far this is just kind of like really you took a Ouija board there and it moved and you got results. So that's evidence. So far, According to me, we don't have anything, and you felt watched, or you felt cold, okay, whatever. But then they brought in a forensic geophysicist who used deep ground radar on the site, and they picked up indications similar to that of a burial ground, meaning they found scientific evidence that seemed to indicate that at some point, this place was used to bury people. And remember, this is England, so um, their history is 
this back quite a while. That's an understatement in case you didn't get that. So if you ever thought, I, I was just thinking about this. Think of how many people there are or there have ever been on the earth, like lived on the earth, like a ton, right? So what do you do with them when they die? If you would bury them, that's like a lot of places with buried people, isn't it? I mean, it's like you would think you would run out of room somewhere at some point. I mean, I know we have mausoleums and we have a lot of times nowadays people get cremated, but doesn't it seem like so many things would be on top of burial grounds? And I don't know. That's just I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I think about weird shit. I'm like that. So somebody made the, the decision, okay, we're not going to put this new ride here. Let's move it over here. So they did. And they didn't have any more paranormal problems. Whether or not you believe anything paranormal happened there, I think that's an interesting story. Okay, here's another park that I've been to and I love. Unfortunately, I've only been there once. Bush Gardens Tampa, which is in Tampa, Florida. It opened in 1959, and this is a beautiful park. It is themed to Africa, and they have, they're known for their safari. They have, like, lions and giraffes and elephants and really cool. It, it's, their architecture is made to, to resemble, um, like, Moroccan and sub-Saharan Africa, it's very detailed in it. I was only there once in 1992, which was, well, 95. And that was a long time ago. And they've gotten a whole bunch of new stuff since I've been there. And I'd, I'd love to go again. But anyway, beautiful place. Go there if you get the chance. There's only one building on this property that claims to be haunted. And that is the Crown Colony Restaurant. It is a pretty large building. And it was built in 1964 as a Valentine's Day gift for the third wife of August Bush. You know, Bush as in Bush Gardens. Also as in Bush Beer. Both Bush Gardens, the one in Tampa and the one in Williamsburg, have breweries there that you can tour. And yes, you can sample from them. I don't personally like beer, so I've never sampled from them. But the tour is interesting. And what kind of Valentine's Day gift is that? I mean, I'd be happy to get like a rose or something, right? So anyway, this was, the woman's name was Trudy. This was her gift. And the restaurant closed in 1982 to be remodeled. But when it opened after its remodel in 1990 is when people, mainly staff, said that they started seeing bizarre goings on. They said that they see the reflection of a man playing the piano, but never like straight on or head on, only reflected in a window. Again, the feeling of being watched. The apparition of a woman in a white nightgown, isn't that creative? Cold spots, moving shadows, flickering lights, the smell of cigars, and the ghost of a girl that they have started to call Wendy. And the name Wendy is not based on any kind of historical fact. It's just a nickname. Well, let's call her Wendy. That's all. Most of these incidents seem to occur on the fourth floor. An employee said that one time when he was up there by himself, he pressed the elevator button and he unexpectedly felt a cold chill. Um, the elevator is known to stop between floors. Trays fall a lot and you hear the disembodied sound of kids playing. An employee said that he was watching TV in the brewmaster's room. Don't know what that is. 
he saw the apparition of a woman in white. And he said he, he felt like from watching him, he turned around and he saw this apparition. And he said, quote, by the time I blinked, she was gone. Just very creepy, end quote. Now, I want to make mention something about when people say that they feel like they're being watched. I've watched a lot of the ghost shows. Ghost Hunters is my favorite because I think they're the most professional and scientifically based. And a lot of claims of paranormal people with haunted houses, haunted places, whatever, they say they feel that they're being watched. And the people on Ghost Hunters say, well, what that could be is some places have what they call high EMF, which means high electromagnetic field. And they have these devices called EMF detectors. And what EMF is, is electromagnetic energy. And it's the energy put out by electricity, you know, like electrical gadgets, wiring, stuff like that in a house. It's also said to be put out by ghosts. So that's why ghost hunters use these things. If if you're in somewhere where there's no electricity at all, and all of a sudden this, this um little doodad starts going off, it means something, either there's something wrong with the thing, or there's something electromagnetic around. And people, remember we get back to the theory of ghosts are made of energy. The theory is that a ghost or spirit is around. The people on Ghost Hunters say, and to me this is extremely believable, There's, I don't see any reason why not to believe this from a scientific point of view, some houses are badly wired or they have like a, a bunch of wires in one spot. And I've seen where they actually take their detectors down to you know, the area in this house or this building or wherever where they have all these wires and the thing will go off, meaning there is high electromagnetic energy in this area. And they theorize that some people may be sensitive to this, like for some reason their brain picks up on it and it gives them a creepy, uncomfortable feeling. It may even make them feel like nauseated or sick or dizzy or headaches or something like that. And that is based on, I, I think, pretty much fact about the electromagnetic phenomenon. So when people say, I felt watched, I don't give that very much weight. Or I felt creepy. Or that place gives me the creeps. Well, I mean, that that's not saying a whole lot as far as evidence goes. But there was a group called Haunted South headed by Ray and Lisa Abney. And they did an investigation of this restaurant. And they brought a psychic with them. And the psychic picked up feelings of anxiety, which I picked that up too, and I'm not even psychic. So <laughs> not putting a whole lot of, of uh, credence in that. But they said that they didn't, weren't having experiences or nothing was really happening. So the group, that I guess they had a group of them, they split up. And they said, you know how they do on Scooby-Doo? They're like, let's split up. <laughs> they uh, split up. And then they started having things happen to them. They saw flickering lights, the cigar smoke, orbs appearing in their digital pictures, dark shadows moving. Um, there's supposedly ghosts of an old bartender and a woman. and But the primary spirit there is said to belong to an eight-year-old girl that they've named Wendy. I don't know how they know she's eight. I don't know if she said that or 
and it's not known. Again, there's no historical basis on that the Twendy ever existed or where she came from. The, quote, presence is said to be mainly on the fourth floor. And as far as evidence I have written, mainly anecdotal, meaning it's mainly people saying, I feel creepy, I feel weird. And even though they've supposedly seen stuff, I mean, it's still somebody else's word for something. So it's not very strong as far as evidence goes. That's my opinion anyway. Okay, the next park is Sylvan Beach. I'd never heard of this one. It's in a, it's actually a village in Oneida County, New York, which is like right smack dab in the middle of the state of New York. Its population is 897. So that's like a really, very small town. Well, it's, it's a village. It's not even a town. And this park was opened in 1870. This park was actually featured on the show Ghost Hunters, a 2000, 2013 episode called Scream Park. And the team went there for a week in September of 2013. And they were asked to come and look for three different ghosts, Abby, Scotty, and Jack. Jack is said to have stayed at the Royal Hotel. I'm not familiar with this park, so I'm guessing it's a hotel near the park. And it's said that he is seen at the bar in this hotel and and that he opens doors. Abby is supposedly a, a little kid. And Scotty supposedly worked there. And he's supposedly seen in the attic of a thing called Playland. I think that's the arcade. And... Believe it or not, there's a lady in white ghost seen in the hotel. So when they were, I did not see this episode, or maybe I did years ago, I just don't remember it. In this playland, which is the arcade, they heard a whistle, and they thought it was somebody trying to get their attention. And there's a, I don't know if it's a theme area, but it's called Treasure Land. And this is supposedly where Scotty worked. He supposedly whistles to get people's attention. And they theorize that he stays there, or his spirit stays there, because he loved this park so much when he was alive. And there's actually a group called Casper Cops, and they operate a thing called Park After Dark Tours. So after the park closes, you can actually sign up with this group and go for the park, you know, in the middle of the night when this stuff supposedly happens. And people have said said that they've seen poltergeist activity and shadow figures on photos. Another anecdotal of story is workers say that they've buckled a little girl into a ride and then they turn around and she's not there. Um, this is all kind of weak. The only thing that, that is kind of interesting, uh, there's some YouTube videos on it if you want to just put in Sylvan Beach into YouTube and, and you'll find some of them. Supposedly in the arcade coins drop like out of nowhere at night onto the floor you know like what a coin dropping sounds like and i did see a video where they're in there it's dark you know they don't have lights on you can hear coins drop and they're like look it's coins and it wasn't like quarters or like actual money coins but it was like i guess you would call them tokens that you buy and that you would specifically use for the amusements in this arcade Um, It was a cool video, but 
I mean, they, there could have been somebody in there throwing the coins for all I know. I mean, you know, you got to look at things um, skeptically. And like I said, it's an interesting story. It was an interesting video, but you, you got to take things for, for what it's worth. Now, our next park we're going to talk about is actually a water park. I personally have never heard of this park until I started researching this episode. And it's called Raging Waters. It's in Los Angeles in California. And it's 60 acres big. And it's California's biggest water park. And it is big. I looked at it on a satellite image. And it's, it's a big-ass park, water park. It was built in 1983. And there was a death there. This is legitimate. This is confirmed that it really happened. Eight-year-old Sharon Williams of Pomona, California drowned in a, I think it's a wave pool, it's called Wave Cove, in July of 1984. And her parents filed a lawsuit, and they, in the lawsuit, they said that the park didn't follow requirements for water clarity and the number of lifeguards on duty and the depth markings. So the the outcome of the lawsuit was the park was found to be not liable. And they said because it's not a pool, it's a swimming area. It is not subject to the same regulations as a pool. Now I call bullshit there. It's a pool. It's it's at a public attraction where kids and adults or people swim, people can drown, stuff can happen. And if I was the parents, well, they probably were mad. I'd be like, what? Swimming area? Bullshit. You know, so I'm, I would be mad about that too if I was them. So supposedly this little girl haunts the park. And I got to say, this evidence is pretty, I think it's pretty good. Whenever they're working, this is a security guard, whenever they're there over the night, they hear phones ringing. I guess they have phones in the park, like in different areas in the park. They hear phones ringing, and they usually come from the the phones near Wave Cove. That's where this little Sharon died. So when they answer the phone, if they answer it, because a lot of times they don't, they'll hear, hear a little girl going, help me. And the figure of a girl has been seen. Voices, a voice will call the names of the guards by their name. They'll hear footsteps. They'll hear a little girl asking for help. And in the food court, people will hear. I don't, I think this means like guests, people, not employees, but people will hear their name being called. For evidence, I have written down possible. It, it, um, because there is a, an actual verifiable death. The stories kind of, there seems to be a theme. They're not just random. Oh, I've, I feel creepy. I feel watched. I feel cold. There, the phone calls and the, the sightings of the little girl and the little girl saying, help me there. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've never been there, but I just put more evidence in this one. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I am taking these in order by ones that I think are total bullshit to ones that I think like there's definitely something going on. So the next park we're going to talk about is Six Flags over Texas. This is the original Six Flags Park. It's in Arlington, Texas. It was opened in 1961. If you're not familiar with Six Flags or why they're called that, 
it was because Texas, here's a little history, Texas has been under a total of six flags in its existence, and each one has a themed area in the park named after it. And I didn't write these down, so let me see if I can do them off the top of my head. Okay, France, it was on, that area was owned by the French at one point. Spain was owned by the Spanish at one point also. Texas, at one point in our history, Texas was its own republic. The United States, it's kind of obvious, because now it's a state. Okay, this is a little bit embarrassing. I actually had to stop recording and look these up. <laughs> I couldn't remember the other two. It's Mexico. Texas was a part of Mexico once. And I would have never guessed this one. The Confederate States of America. Remember, if you're familiar with U.S. history, we had the Civil War here between 1861 and 1865. Texas was that a Confederate state, and it was considered part of the Confederate States of America. So, this is how the Six Flags chain started. Texas was literally under Six Flags because it, it belonged to six different territories, but the amusement park chain just used that name, and now there are a lot of there's even Six Flags parks in Canada and Mexico. And I think there's one in, there's one somewhere in Europe. So it doesn't literally mean that any other place other than Texas was under the Six Flags. That's just, some people actually think that this is the most haunted place in Texas. And Texas is a big state. So that's, that's really quite saying a lot. But this one has a ghost called Annie. And this is based on an actual historical death. So this really did happen. We don't know the girl's name. They just, I guess somebody just thought Annie was a good name. But the body of a young girl was found in the 1920s, drowned. She's probably playing in the water in what's called Johnson's Creek. And I put a piece of the map of Six Flags in my photos the creek literally runs right through the park. So it's like right where the park is. Her ghost is said to wander along the railroad tracks, and that would be the railroad, the, the train that's a ride in the park, not an actual railroad. She is said to haunt a room of a house that was moved into the park from the somewhere in the surrounding area in, in 1950. And I have a picture of this too. This house is actually now a candy store. And the first floor of it is, of course, where they sell candy. And the second floor is only accessed by employees. And it's used for storage. The room that this little girl is said to haunt is one of the upstairs rooms. And it actually looks out over, I guess, where the, the main park area or where people walk. You can see this room and you can see curtains up there. And it's said that the curtains will move once in a while or late at night you can see them moving by themselves. It's also said that she likes to turn on and off the lights or at, the, at late at night the 
lights up there are turned on and off. And again, that room is used for storage, so there's no reason for anybody to be up there. A lot of paranormal teams have researched this place. One group was in there, and one of the women investigators said that she felt like something touched her hair. And while this happened, they were doing an EVP session. If you're not familiar with that, I'll explain it to you. EVP is electronic voice phenomenon. That is supposedly the recording of the voices of ghosts or entities that you can't hear in real life. Like what they do is they take a recording device and they just kind of sit there and hold it and they'll ask questions like, is anybody here? Did you die here? What's your favorite color? You know, blah, blah, blah. Hoping to get some kind of response. And then they'll play it back. And sometimes they'll hear, and, and they, they call them Class A, which is like a really good, clear response. Class B, which is kind of eh. And then Class C, which is like garbage or mush. Supposedly, when this group played back their EVP session, at the time the woman felt her hair being touched, you heard a voice on the recorder going, quote, let me play with your hair, unquote. They had a, there's a teddy bear in the room. I have a feeling that somebody brought it for Annie to play with. A lot of times when it haunted places, and we'll see this later on, if there's known to be child ghosts there or kids who died there, investigators will come and they'll bring toys, balls, dolls, stuffed animals, whatnot for the kids to play with, which is nice if if they can play with something. You know, it's nice to bring them. Who doesn't like toys to have? And anyway, there's a teddy bear in this room and supposedly the bear will move of its own accord. And on this same night that the woman had her hair touched, they saw the teddy bear move. I don't know if it was on request or if it just moved by itself, but the people said, can you do that again? And there was a voice on the recorder that said no. I guess she was tired or she was like, you know, I'm tired of entertaining you people. But they supposedly have trouble keeping the candy store door locked. And the guards, everybody knows the legend of Annie, all the employees who work there. And when something like that happens, the guards will say something like, oh, Annie's being playful. And in 2008, a group called Stockyards Paranormal Investigations did an investigation with two Six Flags public relations employees. They supposedly saw entities, I don't know what kind of entities, and got some EVP responses. And um, apparitions are supposedly seen at the music mill, the palace, which is a, a theater, and open areas of the park. Now, in when the uh, Palace Theater was built, it was said that a man, an employee named Angus, worked on it and that he fell to his death, probably like from a ladder, maybe. And the spirit of Angus is said to haunt the palace, and the employees often find the popcorn machine and they're making popcorn on its own. And the actors say that doors slam and the lights go on and off. In the 90s, an employee said that he and his boss saw Angus and a light operator. I mean, remember, this is a theater, so somebody who operates 
the lights said that he saw Angus and he described him as an old man with white hair and a beard and coveralls. Now, I did research, of course. I, you know, everybody knows I do thorough research. I, I hope you know that. And there is no record of any employee dying on that property or anybody named Angus dying or... I mean, it's just not substantiated by history. So, I mean, you've got to keep that in mind. Other than the, other than the Angus, I think the, the rest of the evidence is pretty good because so many people have been there and seen the apparitions, got the EVP, saw the, the drapes and the teddy bear move. And think about it. If you were a kid and you had the choice of places to haunt, I think a candy store is probably up there as far as options go. So I guess it's really not a surprise that uh, <laughs> a candy store is, is literally haunted by the ghost of a little girl. Okay, I think we're going to stop here for the day. And I will see you back here. Actually, I've been putting the two-part or three-part episodes, like one on top of the other. So... At the top of next hour, or after you've listened to this, it should already be out. The second part. Okay? So, I will see you then. 